Hey, it's Tony Bruschi. When you're not listening to this podcast, be sure to check out one of our others, like this one, The Grave Talks. Every week, I talk with individuals who've been affected quite intimately and personally by the supernatural. We hear their stories one-on-one in our conversations. In fact, here's a 15-minute preview of one of this week's two new episodes of The Grave Talks. And if you like it, just search The Grave Talks wherever you download podcasts and press subscribe. Today on The Grave Talks, tragedy at Goatman Bridge, a conversation with Leela Olivari. After witnessing her brother's fun with a Ouija board as a teen, Leela Olivari developed an interest in the paranormal. From then on, the once tranquil house she lived in would be invaded by ghostly sights, noises, and sensations that could not be explained. Lila's curiosity in the supernatural persisted into adulthood, and she eventually found herself in Texas at the site of a gruesome KKK murder at Goatman's Bridge. After that, she'd visit many more infamous haunts and investigate them. Today, she's a member of the Warren Legacy Foundation, and in today's episode of The Grave Talks, we hear her story. So my interest in the paranormal got sparked um, in childhood. Um, I have my grandpa who lives in San Antonio, and he had a Ouija board and for whatever reason he thought it was a good idea to give it to my brother and I (laughs) so my brother took it and you know we didn't really know any better and messed with it um I didn't my brother actually did and um we just started having stuff go on in my childhood home uh I would have friends come over they would refuse to go to his room it would feel like someone was watching you um it was just things would happen I would have my friend one day I was getting ready um, and now I know it's a doppelganger, ganger, but I was getting ready to go out with a friend. No one else was home. And I heard her come in and I heard her clearly say, hey, what's taking you so long? Hurry up. And I go out in the hallway to say something to her and there is nobody there. But I heard it clear as day, her exact voice. Yeah. It scared the hell out of me at the time I left the house. I didn't want to come back. Um, I also had another time when I was alone in the house listening to the radio. You know, we had the old timey speakers, the, the radio where the buttons would go up and down, the sure. slider. Yep. So I was listening and the, the volume kept moving. So I go in and look at it and I actually watch the slider go up and down and making it, the volume move. So it was just stuff like that. I, I didn't really understand it and it scared me. So I just wanted to better understand it so it wouldn't frighten me anymore. Did all of this begin to happen after the Ouija board entered the home? It did. Interesting. So tell me about the Ouija board itself. You said your brother had it. Were you a participant in the use of the Ouija board? I'd never used the Ouija board, thank God. Um, and my brother actually has it to this day locked in a ice chest at his house. Huh. He couldn't get rid of it. He tried to throw it away several times, and it came back always. So now he just keeps it locked away. Tell me about what you heard of his use with it uh i mean what was he using it with other people Uh, was he using it on his own or what was what was happening initially with this thing he was just using it on his own you know just kind of messing around with it to see what it was about and didn't really think anything of it either until we and he actually would have the worst of it he said when he was home alone he would have like bangings on the wall like everyone was just like going crazy trying to break in and there was nothing going on um, and that was always what happened when you were alone. It never happened. Like I didn't hear it with him in the house and he didn't hear it when I was in the house. It always happened to us individually. 
did he know what he was doing with it when the uncle gave it to you all? Did was there okay? Here's how this works. Uh, no, or, he just like I said, he just gave it to us. Like you know, you would give someone a stuffed animal. It's like, yeah, really like it's explain can, it. Here's the Ouija board and Candyland. You guys decide exactly. what you like better. Okay, <laughs> it's crazy. Blows my mind now that I know what I do. But you know, hey. <laughs> He didn't know any better, thought it was fun, and, and uh, learned very quickly that it wasn't. Sure. I mean, so things start happening after he's using the Ouija board. How quickly do you guys realize or uh, attain that it it had something to do, that it was connected with the Ouija board? Honestly, I never put it together as a child. I didn't until I got older and started looking back on it and realized that's when the activity in my parents' house started happening. And that's when the weird, creepy feeling, and it was always his room that when you would just feel like someone was watching you, but I never put it together until I got older and started, you know, looking into the paranormal and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and realizing that's, that's where it started. Did, did he realize it at a similar time? Um, He did. And he, like I said, he took it with him when he left. And when he said the same things was happening, whatever room he had that Ouija board in the same things would happen. Yeah. And then that's when he started realizing that's what it was. And that's when he tried to throw it away and get rid of it and couldn't. So tell me about that. That in itself sounds like an interesting story of trying to get rid of this thing and it it returning. I mean, he said he would literally put it in the trash can. You know, the trash day would come by. They would come pick up the trash and then he would come in like a day or two later and be sitting in the garage, sitting, you know, just sitting somewhere back at the house. No explanation. (laughs) Yeah. It just kept coming back. Did he ever... Did he, as you all got older and everything, and it just kept showing up, did you ever look into, well, how do we eradicate this stuff? How do we reverse what happened? He has asked me recently, but honestly, like I said, he just put it in, that it was his solution to put it in the ice chest and lock it up and leave it in the garage. Because what he's scared of is he doesn't want that to get on, you know, someone else to get a hold of it and something happened to them. Okay. That was his solution. Interesting. So an ice, I like literally, I like a freezer ice chest. Yeah. Yeah. Like you would put like a cooler that you go to the beach with. Oh, okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say somebody's going to get chicken nuggets. So then they end up using a, a, a <laughs> no, chicken. No, no, it's not in with the chicken nuggets. Like, hey, let's use this wing as the planchette and see what happens. You know, it yeah, could be. The kids start playing with it. <laughs> yeah. It'll be the, it'll be the inspiration for the Ouija Happy Meals, which I'm exactly. really excited. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> You get spirits and you get a nugget. Exactly. So you you had this these experiences in your house in childhood. Did your parents realize these things were going on? Uh, my parents did. My mom. My mom is super uber Catholic religious. Mm-hmm. She didn't really acknowledge it. She later, after we left, got the house blessed and everything stopped. But she doesn't really like to acknowledge that kind of stuff. Which is, I think, another reason why we didn't really talk about it a lot because it's just not something that she. I mean, she believes in it, but she just doesn't think you mess around with that to this day. She, you know, tells me I'm going to hell for what I do. What? <laughs> typical mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Exactly. Isn't that lovely? We say typical mom too. Mom's telling us we're going to hell. <laughs> well, you know, you just kind of laughing off. What can you do, right? Exactly. Uh, when, uh, w- w- I guess, why did she wait till you all left to bless the house? Why did she do it while you were there to kind of help with this? I really, I don't think she really wanted to acknowledge that it was going on, but after we left and the stuff was still happening and she was at the house alone, uh-huh. that I think that's when it really started to bother her. Cause my dad's okay. a big hunter. Sure. Know, we're down in the South. So he would be gone for like a week at a time and she'd be at the house alone and didn't like it. 
Okay, so it really started to stand out to her more, and she couldn't kind of mentally brush it off as, oh, it's the kids making noise. Exactly. The kids exactly. aren't there to make the noise anymore. Okay, how yeah. interesting. So how, as, as you continued uh, through life after having these experiences in your childhood home, uh, did things stop as you, you moved out on your own to another location? Yeah, I never um, had any kind of experiences like that, but it always just piqued my interest. And I was always, from that age on, I was just always super interested in the paranormal. Yeah. How did that continue? What did you, what did you do? Um, it, you know, it first started just with the shows, like typical trying to watch that. And then I just, I started getting into a community. I met um, someone who actually does tours out in Denton, Texas. There's a place called um, Goatman's Bridge. Okay. And um, I started doing tours with her and she goes to different locations as well and does investigations. And I was with her doing those and I met more and more people. I've met people who have abilities, that kind of stuff. And I've just really snowballed into it. What is the legend or the lore of Goatman's Bridge? So Goatman's Bridge, um, it's a there's a big city here called Denton, Texas. And before it was Denton, Texas, it was back by this um, street called Old Alton, Alt, Old Alton. So there was a community out there and then there's a like a river out there, but it's really stale and nasty. Mm-hmm. And people would have to cross this bridge to get to the community. And the community just didn't survive because of the you know, the bridge. You know, the cows would be in there and the kids would be playing at the same time. A lot of them got sick and died. But in that community, there was a gentleman there named Oscar Washburn. And he was um, African-American and he sold goats. That's why they called him the goat man. Okay. So he would cross, he didn't live in the community. He lived separate up the road and he would cross the bridge and go into the town and sell his goats to the townsfolk. Well, one of the days he decided to put a sign on the bridge that just said this way to goat man. So the people would know where to find him. Well, okay. Unfortunately back in the, it was about in the 1800s. So the KKK was very prevalent. Okay. They took exception to him putting a, sign on their bridge so they waited for him to come home and they put a noose around him and they hung him from the bridge when they came back to check on the body the body was gone there was just nothing there they they searched in the water they searched in everywhere they could look and then they got panicked because they thought he could recognize them so they went down to his house they burned down the house and killed his family but they never did find him so he is supposed to haunt the bridge um, he's not a bad entity, but there's a lot of people there that go out there and they do a lot of, you know, they use a Ouija board, they do rituals. So they brought a lot of dark stuff to the bridge, but it's not necessarily Oscar. Oscar's a, one of the good spirits that's out there. Yeah. It sounds like a lovely uh, neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> We're like, we don't like you, uh, goat man. We're going to hang you right here. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, totally. Those things were very prevalent uh, at that point in time. Yes. Unfortunately. Um, so the so the lore the legend is is that of of Goatman uh, is yes. uh, or Oscar uh, is there any? Or tell me more about what 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 do people have happen on this bridge today? They have all sorts of things happen. There also is a very evil spirit out there that they call Steve, and Steve um, is believed to be was a grandmaster in the KKK does not like women. So a lot of women are affected. Um, they get scratched. Uh, we had, um, we've had people on the tours that just get this uncomfortable feeling like they're about to cry. And as soon as we walk them off their property, they're fine. Um, he likes to mess with them, pull their hair. 
that kind of stuff. He just doesn't like women. And he's one of the, like when he's out there, there's other spirits out there that we've communicated with, but when he comes out, it's completely goes quiet. Nothing else is going on. You get nothing. You don't talk to anyone and you start getting negative communication. Like if you use, um, you know, a spirit box or anything like that, you have just negative curse words that you leave, get out of here, that kind of stuff. It's an interesting thing to think about someone who was such a vile human being in life, um, in death, also very vile. It it makes me wonder, uh, because so often people go to, oh, it's a demon. It's a this or that. And I I wonder a lot about, you know, evil in our world, whether it be human, uh, humans doing evil things to one another. I mean, this certainly sounds like a man who in life, if if you saw him today, you go, that's evil. That's that's yes. evil what he's doing. Yes. It, it, My friend actually did research on him and he went to trial for um, he had a he had several wives, but there was one he was trying to get to marry him and they were on the train ride. He actually was violating her and hurting her to where she finally tried to get some poison to try to escape from him to kill herself. Uh We had to take her to the hospital and she passed away at the hospital. Her on the certificate of death, it literally said cannibalism because he had chewed her breasts, her thighs, everything. And there's transcripts of the trial from what, because she lived to tell what happened when he went to trial on it. And there's transcripts out there that show all the vile acts he had done. So a hundred percent evil person, and I believe if you're evil in life, when you die, you're not going to change. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I guess it's kind of one of those things where was this person ever like the rest of us or or, 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 or were they born evil and literally were evil and, and yes. just as demonic as a demonic spirit, but living on this earth. And when they died, they continued on. That, exactly. That kind of makes you, you think more about that because you, you read the headlines of these insane, horrible things that people do to each other or their own families or their own children. And, and all you can go is, that's evil. That, and it's not, an, it's not even just, it's not just like that's an evil act. That person is evil. Yes, 100%. And it, and it makes you wonder, you know, were these, you know, are we living amongst demons uh, in, in terms of some of these, these people and, and always have been? Yeah, I, I think they're more disinfluenced by the the demons. They're not, you know, everyone likes to throw away the the D word nowadays. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it's you know as prevalent as people like to think. But I think, like you say, it is present in people who are living, and they've you know invited it into their lives. Hope you enjoyed this fifteen minute preview of one of this week's two brand new episodes of the Grave Talks. To hear the rest and get new episodes every Monday and Tuesday right in your podcast feed, search The Grave Talks wherever you download podcasts and press subscribe or visit thegravetalks.com.